before we do this, I, I, gotta, I gotta share this. So my daughter has uh, these wooden nativity um, pieces. So it's got the shepherds, got the, the magi, the wise men, got the manger and all that sort of stuff. And then it's really cool. I don't know why, I don't know, I don't know if what she means is what I think she means, but I'm gonna take it this way. Every time she picks up the little baby Jesus, she says, Jesus is different. Volume needs to be a little louder out there in the lobby, I guess is what I'm hearing. Can we make the volume louder? I see some louder in the lobby. Can y'all hear me? Y'all hear me? It needs to be louder. Anyway, we can make it louder in the lobby or figure something out. Uh, but I'll just say it one more time and I, as, I, as we work on that is like, she grabs the little baby Jesus and she always says, Jesus is different. Mm. Jesus is different. I just think that's the greatest thing anyone, whether you're two years old or 200 years old, I don't care, the greatest thing they could say, the, the lobbies give me the thumbs up that life is good out there. So Jesus is different. Yes. In everything we say and do, we just know that Jesus is different. Amen. Come on now. Um, I don't know if this message is a title, but here's what I want to, here's what it's, it's uh, simply called, helpful reminders. Helpful reminders, because in the same way where my daughter just picked up her little wooden piece and she walks over to me, she goes, Daddy, this is the angel, this is the this, this is the that, and this is baby Jesus, and Jesus is different. I think we need simple reminders in this season. Helpful reminders. Let me pray. I got a lot to talk about today. Um, it's a lot of scripture, so we're going to dive in, because I don't think you need to just hear a bunch of funny words from me and fun anecdotes. Those are, those are okay. Uh, but we're going to hear what the Lord has to say through his word. So, Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that Jesus is different. Amen. Hey, we're, uh, we're, gonna, we're hanging out in Luke chapter 1, and I'm going to read a lot of scripture to you, so, so buckle your seatbelt, dive in. Like I said, uh, we're going to call this as helpful reminders, helpful reminders, how to live on purpose, how to be purposeful in this season, whatever you want to call it, but helpful reminders and purposeful preparation. Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 5. In those days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest by the name of Zechariah. I love Luke and his gospel. I love the gospel writers. I love all the writers of the Bible. And I like to remind people from time to time that, that uh, we say the word. Sometimes I get a little like I short circuit sometimes because we say, oh, I'm going to read the story from the Bible. And I think sometimes when we say story, I think we cheapen it. This is a historical document. Okay? It's the word of God. It's living actor, sharper than any other, any devil ledger sword but it's a historical document real people real places real times real highs real lows real ups real downs it would be as if we said uh, in our day we're writing down uh, there was uh, George Bush the the second George Bush there was Clinton there was Trump there was Obama these were all presidents it'd be like we're saying hey the mayor of Lakewood is Jason Whalen right real life people real situations and circumstances and there's a priest named Zachariah of the division of Abijah and he and his wife, uh, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when, he was, uh, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside uh, uh, at the hour, praying with, uh, and they were, uh, excuse me, praying outside at the hour of incense. And appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. What a, a special scene. 
Let me give you some context here to this scene to know this is truly a godly moment. It's so easy just to gloss over the details of the scripture. But you have a man and a woman who are devout people of faith, who are of the priestly line. They are righteous and pious and following all of the commands of the Lord. And these faithful, God-loving, God-fearing, God-obeying people who are in uh, this man who has a job as a priest is now doing his duty as the priest in the temple. He's now doing his duty as a priest, burning the incense. At this time, there were about uh, 18,000 priests, a lot of priests. And each division of priests had their segment of time when they would serve each one of the 24, I believe, divisions of priests. And the Bible says here, lots were cast amongst Zechariah's division that said, okay, today it's going to be you, Zechariah. You're going to be in the spot, doing the thing, handling the business. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible says uh, men cast lots, but the Lord determines what's going on. So everything, what a, what a beautiful scene. Pastor Kurt talked about having Kairos moments. This is a chronological time, but there's a Kairos moment. It just so happened to be that the man and his wife, who are fully devoted to God, who fully been believing God, are the ones who are in the place where they're supposed to be, not because of their choice, but because God appointed it for this moment. He's praying. He's doing his duty. He's following the Lord. People are outside praying, doing their doing duty, following the Lord. Everything is set up in this moment, this holy moment, this beautiful moment. And an angel of the Lord appears. God is always in the business of setting up, setting us up in moments and times we don't even realize what he's doing. And Zechariah, this godly man, had no idea what God was setting up for him. That this was the first part, this was the first step in a beautiful story of not just for him, but for the entire world. This is the, this is the, this is the preface to the birth of Christ. This is the preface, this is the beginning, this is the introduction before we see the Savior take the stage. And Zechariah is right there in the midst of it. He doesn't fully realize it. But the Lord did. Verse 12, And Zechariah troubled when he saw the angel. Fear fell upon him, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid. How many times, if you read your Bible, you'll see this so many times, because so often in times when the Lord shows up in our lives, like you're like, oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, by the way, so uh, I, didn't, I, I know I wasn't been doing what I was supposed to be doing, but I, you know, you, you still, we still good, right, God? <laughs> the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zachariah, for your prayer has been heard. And you and your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son. We don't even have time to get into this, but here's a man who the scripture said he's been faithful to praying, Lord, there's something I want. There's something I need. You shall call him John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the spirit even when he's in his mother's womb. I don't know if you recognize this or not, but this is crazy. This is crazy. Even in his mother's womb. We're going to dig into this a little bit more 
uh, in a bit. But in his mother's womb, this man will be filled with the Spirit. The son you haven't even seen yet, the son you've been praying for for years, the son you believe in God for and praying to, will be filled in his mother's womb. And you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. He must, you must, he must not drink strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even in his mother's womb, and he will turn many children, many of the children of Israel, to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in spirit and power of Elijah. We're going to get into all this in a little bit, but I just got to give you some context. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom to the just. I feel that wisdom should be capital W because we know that if you understand in scripture when it says wisdom, we're talking about godly things. The fear of the uh, fear of the Lord is the beginning of all the wisdom. So when you read an Old Testament, it talks about wisdom. It's really saying this is this is this God who thinks and lives and acts and moves and operates in the space and time that we don't know how to live, move and operate unless he brings us into that space. Yeah, that's him. And John the Baptist, your son, John He's going to be pointing people to that God to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this for I am old and my wife is advanced in years? He had to be careful with them words right there. He goes, yo, yo, this is just going to stay just between you and me, right? This ain't going, she ain't going to hear this, right? And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you, to bring you good news and behold you will be silent and unable to speak until that day that these things take place because you did not believe my words. This is one. This is one. Actually, I was chatting with a group of friends. I had a buddy of mine who's a pastor. He's actually speaking at his church right now. So shout out to my boy. And we're both speaking. We're taking two different directions, but we're both speaking out of this passage. We're kind of bouncing ideas off each other the other day. And, and for me, I don't necessarily think uh, Zachariah is, uh, is a bad dude because of this. Because I think we're all in this boat. We've been praying for a long time, believing, God, I just need a miracle. God, I need a miracle for my family. I need a miracle for my kids. I need a miracle for my job. Things have been working out. You've been praying, and you've been serving, and you've been going, and you've been working, and you just keep feeling like you're striking out, or you feel like you get a little bit, but you don't get all that you want or all that you need. So it's real easy to re recognize and remember. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick, where I think this man, he's like, hey, God, I, I still trust, uh, angel, I still trust the Lord God. I know he's good, but, but man, I just don't know anymore. And I don't know if this is as much punishment as much as it's, I'm going to prove it to you. Because yeah, you're going to see here in a moment that the fact that he was mute, the fact that he was, uh, he was, uh, uh, couldn't say, couldn't speak. Some would even say that there's possibilities that he couldn't even hear. He was dumb, some scriptures say. It was a sign to all those around him all those around of how good and that God had done something amazing. I'm going to keep reading because you do not believe my words. You will not speak until the time is fulfilled. Verse 21 and the people waiting Zechariah, there's people outside praying and they were wondering what's taking him so long. What's going on? And when he came out, verse 22, he was able to speak to them and they realized he'd seen a vision. They knew God was up to something and he kept making signs to them and he remained mute. And when his time of services ended, he went home and after these days, 
uh, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in these days. When he looked on me, he took away my reproach. Here's a woman who felt like she had the, uh, she had the, she'd been painted with a bad brush. And she said, in my advanced years, my old age, the Lord has still looked upon me. After all the years of faithfulness, when I felt like my faithfulness probably wasn't working, wasn't clicking, things weren't, things were going in, but they, things were, I was sending prayers up, but I didn't feel like a lot was coming down. And the Bible takes a pause here. We're not going to read the whole thing. Verse 26, it, it flashes forward. In the sixth month, an angel Gabriel sent. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from, the, uh, from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Gives you a little snapshot of there's a lot going on in this scene. There's a lot going on in time and space and place. And, and, and Luke is trying to give you a clear understanding of you've got to understand the big picture. You know the story of the baby that was born in a manger and his mom and his dad and, and how the Lord overshadowed this woman and she became pregnant with the Spirit. But there's a whole other story that was happening simultaneously. And then we skip down to verse 39. Mary. In those days, Mary arose and went to haste into the hill country to, the town of, to a town in Judea. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. Now, Mary and Elizabeth were relatives. And now Elizabeth, she had kind of hidden for a little while while she was pregnant with John, now receiving a family member, Mary, who is pregnant with the baby Jesus. And this is what happens. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. John the Baptist, John was filled with the Spirit, even in his mother's womb. Can you imagine, like I said, the, 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 the purity, the potency, the power in this moment? Amen. Where here is John, the one who is to go before Christ, the one who the angel showed up to to his dad and said, Hey, I'm going to do something. You aren't even ready for what God's about to do. And then Mary shows up with the Christ. And boom, it's like an explosion, a baby explosion of craziness. <laughs> and verse 43. Right, so Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, the words of Elizabeth, that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, my baby, the baby inside of me, he leaped for joy. And bless is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what the Lord had spoken from, what the, <clears throat> of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Almost done with these verses. Skipping down to verse 57. And now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. And she bore a son. And her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her. And they rejoiced. And on the eighth day came time to circumcise the child. 
and decided, okay, it's time to name them. We're doing all the, ooh, that popped. We're, it's time to name them. We're doing all the religious customs. We're doing what we got to do. Let's get his dad, and, or let's name him after his father, Zechariah, and, and, and Elizabeth, because I'm sure her, her husband communicated to her, yo, you got to hear about what happened. Like, we got a baby now, but let me tell you about what the angel and God and will buy. And she said to them, no. She says, his name is going to be John. And they're like, none of your relatives are called John, verse 62. And they made signs to the father, inquiring him, of him what they wanted the baby to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet, and he wrote down his name is John. Because that's what the angel told me, so that's what we're going to do. I added that last part. <laughs> and they all wondered, what's going on with John? You should John? I mean, John, cool, but like, it's like Kurt. It's just okay. I'm just, I'm sure. Give me a bad time. And immediately his mouth opened, his tongue loosed. And he spoke a blessing of God and fear on all the neighbors. Fear came on all the neighbors and all the things that, and all these things were talked about through the hill country and all who heard them laid them in their hearts saying, what then will this child be for the hand of the Lord was with him? It's a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff. There are so many things that we could extract and extrapolate and pull out of this, but, but let me give you four thoughts that I really have. Four helpful reminders as I'm looking and I'm reading and I'm, and I'm processing uh, these words from Scripture. What are the things that we can take, reminders that we can extrapolate out of here in this season and other seasons that we can say, this is how I want to walk things out for me. This is how I want to have a helpful reminder that in my preparation and that I, I prepare to receive the Lord, not just in Christmas time, not just in some season, but in every season, every day of my life. The first reminder is this, is God wants actors to participate in his action. This is kind of really one big broad point, and the other points I'm going to share are kind of sub points to this one. But, but I, I kept resonating here and sitting here. It starts in verse 5, in the days of Herod. We talked about this. There's a priest named Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, and they are faithful, godly, devoted people. They both come from priestly lines. They both come from priestly lines. So here are a man and a woman who understand what it means to love and serve the Lord. They know the word of God. They know the Hebrew scriptures. They are studied. They are prepared. They are devout. They are concentrated. They are focused. They check all the boxes. And it just was a helpful reminder to me that this is what the Lord is looking for. Now, I get it. None of us here are perfect. I'm not saying you've got to be perfect. But the Lord's desperately. The Lord is, the Lord is looking for people who can participate yeah. in what he's called us to do. Amen. He really wants that. And these two go on to have a son named John. We read it before, but let me read it again. Verse 14. And you will have, a, and you will have joy and gladness, and maybe we'll rejoice his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink strong wine or drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. The word John means grace, or Yahweh, excuse me, Yahweh is gracious. The Lord is looking for men and women 
who want to be like a John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist specific role, we're going to dive into that in a second. But we got to understand something here. That John the Baptist, the attitude, the heart, the spirit, that same attitude, we can have that. We should be carers. We should be people who are always shouting, always exemplifying the grace and the love and the hope and the joy of Yahweh. We should be ones who are out there saying, man, you know, my God is good. We should be ones like my daughter, Camille, who are like, hey, this is Jesus. He's different. The Bible says that John was operating and moving in the spirit of Elijah. So we got to give you some context on what that means, because I want to make sure we're all on the same page. And I'm, I actually realize that I, I gave these out of order, Amanda, so you'll have to rock, rock with me. Um, Malachi, Malachi verse 4. Or Malachi chapter 4, excuse me. Malachi chapter 4. <coughs> Lost my notes, sorry. I got out of whack because I moved all this stuff out in, in different order because I like to do that sometimes. Boom, there it is. Malachi chapter 4. See, verse 5. See, I will send the prophet Elijah before you. That great and dreadful day, the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and hearts of children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse or with destruction. See, this is the role of John the Baptist. Is the Bible has prophesied and said that the Christ will come. And before the Christ comes, before the Messiah comes, he will have one who will go before him who is going to be the one who says, yo, get ready. You need to understand, you need to recognize, you need to get your, 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 your house in order, get your mind right, do all these things, because there's one coming who's pretty big deal. And it's such a big deal that all of the gospel writers make reference to him. We've already seen in Luke, Luke has more references, but let me just give you what Matthew says about John the Baptist. Here's what John the Baptist says. Matthew chapter 11. As they, these are John the Baptist's disciples, we're taking a flash forward a little bit here. They went to Jesus to speak to the crowds concerning John. Excuse me, let's say this one more time. As, as, uh, the, as they, John the Baptist's disciples, went away, they left John the Baptist. I'm sorry, I had this backwards. They left John the Baptist, and they went to Jesus, they began to speak, and they said, hey, Jesus, what's going on? John the Baptist sent us here, and we want to know what's up. And then Jesus says these words to him, what did you go out to the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are kings and houses. What then did you go to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, more than a prophet. This is, the, this is he whom it is written. Behold, I am sending my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Truly, I say to you, among these born of women has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violence take it by force. For all the prophets and law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who has come. He who has ears, let him hear. Mark 9. We'll read all this, and then we'll wrap it up. Verse 11. And they, Peter, James, and John, asked Jesus, why do the scribes say that, a pro, uh, that Elijah must come first? He said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written that the Son of Man... How is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they please, as it was written. He's talking about John the Baptist. One more reference in John chapter 1. And this is the testimony of John when, when the Jews sent the priests and the Levites to Jerusalem to ask, Who are you? He confessed and, and did not deny, but he confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. A little bit of humility here. We're going to tie into this in a second. 
Are you the prophet? He answered, no. So they said to him, who are you? Give us an answer. And he said to them, I am the voice in the wilderness. I am the voice crying on the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah wrote. What is all this? A lot of stuff. It just hit you with a bunch of word salad from the Bible. But it's in the Bible. It's not me, so I'll get it to you. Mm -hmm. the, the, the simple understanding is this, is what, what we need to know, is that Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, we all know, Jesus, yay, died on the cross, rose from my sins, yeah, three days, woohoo, yay, Jesus. Jesus, when he shows up on the scene, he always, he, the, 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 the God's plan prior to Jesus showing up was simply this. God was having someone, John the Baptist, who comes with the spirit of Elijah in the voice and the heart and the attitude and the mindset that says, hey, something amazing is happening. Something great is about to happen. I am going to do everything the Lord's called me to do. I'm going to be, do everything the Lord said yes of me to do. Because I know in doing that, I am fulfilling, I am following the plan that God has. And I think it's fascinating that if you know the story of when Jesus is getting baptized, Jesus comes to the Jordan River, John the Baptist is there, John's like, hey, look at him, it's Jesus, the guy that made me kick in my mom's room, oh my goodness, here he is. And Jesus is like, hey, there's John the Baptist, he's like the greatest dude you've ever seen, boom, let's make this happen. And John's like, yo, Jesus, I shouldn't baptize you, you're kind of a big deal. And Jesus was like, no, you have to baptize me to stay, fulfill all the prophecy. And he goes like, all right, I guess I'll have to do it. And boom, in this moment, John the Baptist, baptizes Jesus in the Jordan River. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that the sky cracked open and God, the spirit of a dove, comes down, chills on his shoulder, and the, <laughs> and the word of the Lord here says, this is my son who I'm loved and well pleased. When we are faithful to what the Lord has called us to do, when we are faithful to follow in the steps of the Lord, when we are faithful to obey our calling, we are faithful to say, yes, Lord, I'm saying yes to you. I'm devoting my life to you, even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make any sense, even when, when, when things go left, right, upside down, inside and out. The Lord always shows up. Yeah. Yeah. The Lord always shows up. Point number two. Reminder number two. Reminder number one. God is looking for actors to be a part of his play. He's looking for actors to participate in his action. Point number two is this. God will always fulfill what he promised and established. I love this. The angel said in verse 20, Behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you do not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in time. The moment when, when Zechariah was able to open his mouth, the rejoicing, the Bible says that all the people in all the hill country, all of them, something deposited in them. And they all took this moment and held on to it. And they all said, there's something happened here. The people, when, when Zechariah comes out of the temple and he couldn't speak, they realized God had done something. The Lord's constantly in the business. He's always in the business of saying, I'm making a promise to you and I will always bring it into fulfillment somewhere else down the line. I know it doesn't always feel like that. I know you feel like you've been praying and you're still barren. I know you have been hoping that God would move. I know you've been lighting the incense. I know you've been waiting outside, praying outside the temple. I know you've been doing this and that and it feels like the disconnect is still there. But I'm doing something amazing. It started in the Old Testament, whether it's in Isaiah chapter seven where he said, hey, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign the virgin will conceive and give birth, and they'll call him Emmanuel. And the Lord said, even back then, I made a promise, and I fulfilled it later. 
The Lord's always about making promises and fulfilling them. I think when I, I, I recognize that this is how God operates, is that he promises, he establishes, and then he fulfills. It's really easy to forget that, but it's really awesome when I remember it. Because I walk like I got some attitude in me. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. God did do that. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Oh, I got another. Like, like, here's the thing. Like, when I don't remember that God did something amazing, I get a little sheepish. I get a little bit, well, you know, I don't know, God, if you can do this kind of a big deal. Oh, my goodness. But when I know that God did something, it's like, oh, let me stand up straight. Let me roll my sleeves up. Let's get into this. Oh, you need me to pray? I, I remember one time I prayed for a guy, um, and, um, uh, and it wasn't just me, there was a group of people praying, but he was healed of brain cancer. He was healed of brain cancer. How many of y'all know that, like, every time someone asked me to pray for cancer, I thought, I was like, oh, yeah, I see. Oh, I got this. Oh, let's go. Where that cancer at? Like, I'm not making light. I'm not making light of anything. I had a grandmother who passed away my senior of high school right before I graduated of breast cancer. So I'm not making light of it. But I'm just saying that when you remember that God's in the business of establishing and fulfilling, even, even when you're weak, even when you're not all put together, it can do something to you. As surely as God is faithful, 2 Corinthians says this, our message to you is not yes and no, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among us by me, by Silas, by Timothy, was not a yes and a no, but in him has always been a yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are a yes in Christ, and through him the amen is spoken, that by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes us, who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set a seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Here's a takeaway for you. God's always in the business of establishing and fulfilling what he promised. Maybe you need to go back to the last thing he told you. What's the last thing the Lord told you? What's the last thing the Lord, you know, you saw him do in your life? And do me a favor, in this season, anchor yourself there. Anchor yourself in that moment of saying, what have I seen God move and do something amazing? Anchor yourself there. Remind yourself, what was that like? What type of joy came over your heart? What type of celebration happened in your family, in your community, amongst your people? I know for me, I, can, I have a few things where I can anchor myself in. I can tell you about the time when I was a 15-year-old kid, and I said yes to Jesus for the first time. And I remember the pastor said, if you want to accept Christ, come, uh, come to the front, you know? And I remember it felt like a magnet was pulling me forward. I felt like feeling like a magnet that couldn't sh I couldn't shake. I can flash back to when I found out after my wife and I battled infertility, when our daughter was, we found out we had a, had a daughter coming. I can flash back to the time I told you I prayed for someone and I saw them get healed of cancer. I can talk to you about the time when I had 40 uh, kids from Lakes High School, when I was a high school student, that were going to my youth group at Life Center. And a bunch of them got saved. In my senior year of high school, I think I led like six or eight of my friends to Christ, my senior year of high school. I can tell you about the time when I prayed for a young man who was demon-possessed and saw God move. I'm not saying that every story is going to be sensational or wild and crazy, but we all have something that the Lord has promised, established, and fulfilled that we can anchor ourselves in. And in this season, as you're preparing 
And you maybe feel like, man, what's, what's God doing? You're wondering. I was meeting this Thursday. I met with, uh, I, I, I lead a, a, a ministry organization called Young Life here in Lakewood, Stillicum and DuPont. And I was meeting with one of our uh, leaders. She's our committee chair. She came then to my office and we were just kind of talking. And I was, we were kind of talking about some stuff. And I said, yeah, I don't really have, she said, hey, what's God doing right now? And, and I said, I don't really know. I think kind of this, kind of that. I was kind of being haphazard. This is literally on Thursday. I was like, guys, you know, whatever. And she goes, Eddie. You just told me this story a month ago and this story six weeks ago and this like, and all of a sudden it hit me. I was like, how quickly we forget what the Lord has established and what he's done. And she was like, you just told me this. And I was like, oh yeah, I did. How did I forget that God worked that miracle a couple months ago? And now I'm kind of like, ah, not really anything going on. Eh, it's whatever. No, it's not whatever. He's established something. Reminder number, number three. We will be emptied before we are filled. This, is a little, this one was a little hard for me, I'll be honest with you, but I kept, I almost didn't want to put it in here because I, 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 I'm going to treat this very sensitively. Um, but let me read this. And, and actually, let me say this before I say this. I, I don't want to be crude in any way, shape, or form. don't want to be crude. My wife and I battled infertility for a number of years. I know there's other people who have battled that. I know there's people who have other dreams and passions and ideas that have never come to pass. And it can feel like um, uh, God doesn't care, God's ignoring, or you get confused, you get frustrated. Hear me when I say this, like there's no, I, 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 I don't wanna, God's not a magic wand where we just wave a wand and he does what we want him to do. But I also do believe that like a lot of times when the Lord operates, you know, I, I, I hate this line. I'll say this. I'm, I'm, my, this is my little disclaimer, right? I hate this line. I really do. The Lord works in mysterious ways. I hate it. All right? I hate it. Don't, like, just confession right now. Don't ever say that around me. If, and if you accidentally do, I won't check you. I won't call you out. But just know inside, my soul will crush and will die a little bit. I understand what people mean when they say that. But like, uh, but you know, I love when people say, you know, like, oh man, life has been hard, but God's, God's working and the Lord works in mysterious ways. I'm like, yeah, sometimes also the Lord smacked you upside your head because you did dumb stuff. All right. All right. All right. Sometimes the Lord is like, yo, just, you know, whatever. It's just, it's one of those things against you. But so I don't want to get caught up into the weeds of that. But I do want to say this is, as I have found in my life that a lot of times the Lord operates and he, I've got this water bottle here. We'll just say it this way. The Lord wants to fill this up. Well, if he wants, if I want this filled up with all the Lord, I got to remove whatever stuff is in here. So if I want the Lord to fill this water bottle, I got to remove the old bad water, the non-Jesus water that's in here that's in the way. And I think a lot of times the Lord says, hey, I'm, I'm looking for a vessel that wants to say, hey, I've been emptied. I'm pushing everything else out of the way because I want to just be free so the Lord can fill me up. And I think it's fascinating that when we look in Scripture, we see Jesus, or excuse me, we see God operates with a man and a woman who are infertile. And he puts a child in the womb. We see a virgin who has been touched and blessed by God and a child goes in the womb. And we see even in the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, a man and a woman who have been praying and praying and praying and nothing has happened. And on top of all of that, all of this is happening. That's the micro. That's the personal story of these individuals. But then the macro picture, we're sitting in this period, this intertestinal period in between the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
where the last words of the, of, the, of the Old Testament are the spirit of Elijah, the prophet Elijah is coming back. And God doesn't say anything until this moment. There's a quiet time. And the Lord's like, that space that's now empty, I'm going to fill it up. I know like it doesn't always feel right. I know it doesn't always feel like it's fair. I know it doesn't always feel like it's in the perfect proper timing. I know the math doesn't always add up and work out the way we thought it would. But I'm going to fill this space. But I'm going to need to remove everything else out of the way so that you know it's me. Because I don't want you to be able to say, oh, well, maybe that was just a fluke. Maybe, you know, uh, Mercury was in retrograde and blah, 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 blah. I don't know. <laughs> I think God's like, I am going to push everything to the left, push everything to the right, so you know when this moment comes of fulfillment, it was me. I think the Lord likes us to be empty before we get filled up. Second Corinthians says this, but we hold these treasures in jars of clay to show that his all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side. We are crushed, but not per we are. <clears throat> excuse me, hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We carry around in our bodies the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that His life may be, so that His life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. Therefore, we do not lose heart. I love, 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 love. I can't say enough. I love these next lines. From the Apostle Paul. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. I love this part. The Apostle Paul says our troubles are light and momentary. light and moment. Whatever you're going through, it can be heavy, it can be hard, it can be the worst thing you're going through. It's still, compared to his infinite power, light and momentary. Yeah. Like, that's hard word. I, I, I'm gonna keep it real with you. That's a hard word. Because when you're in the thick of it, and yo, you fighting, and everyone's yelling at you, and you're yelling at everyone, and you're driving down the street, and you're like, why God? And everything doesn't make sense, and you're angry, and you're frustrated. I had a dinner with a friend last night going through a, a really messy divorce. And in the thick of it, it doesn't feel good. In the thick of it, I gotta be like, yo, bro, you gotta own some of this, because you did some of this too. In the thick of it, you have to have real hard conversations. But when compared to the awesomeness, the all-surpassing power of the Lord, our troubles are light and momentary. They're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes, not on what is seen, come on now, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. When the angel came to Zechariah and he was caught up with fear, and he told him what was going to happen. I got to think there was part of him that was scared. Maybe another part of him that was kind of relieved. I don't know. I, just, I tried to put myself in that moment. I can tell you he was overwhelmed. He was overwhelmed. He's like, I've been praying this whole time. I've been believing God. We've been faithfully serving as a priest. We've been doing all the right things, checking all the boxes. And it's about to happen. That's a lot. 
That will always establish what he promised will often be emptied before we get filled. One thing I want us to take away from that is ask yourself the question, are you empty right now? If you're empty right now, if you're one of those people that you're on E, where is it and how could it be that the Lord wants to prepare you and fill you up? Where is it that you can begin to identify your problems as light and momentary? I'm not asking you to be trite. I'm not saying, oh, God, oh, God, I don't have to do anything. No, it's okay to be honest, be real. It's okay to say, Lord, I'm going to be real and be honest, but this kind of hurts right now because I know you're going to do something, but it don't mean it feel good right now. It hurts right now. That's where I also remind you that the Bible says there's time to rejo rejoice and there's time to mourn. Yeah. And the Bible also says that you don't have to mourn by yourself. You get to mourn with other people. Yeah. You get to have a brother or sister put their arm around you and say, hey, I'm going to mourn with you right now because six months from now, nine months from now, a year from now, five years from now, we're going to party together, praise, party, RSVP style at Redeem Church. Let's go. <laughs> How do you think God's putting to fill you back up? Last point is this. Last reminder. <laughs> We should celebrate what God has done with eyes towards what he also will do. After John was born, Zechariah's mouth opened up and the whole crowd, the whole countryside, the whole hill country, they're like, whoa, whoa, surely God is doing something here. The Bible tells us that Zechariah went on to prophesy and he praised the Lord. Let me read it, and then it's a simple breakdown. Luke chapter 1, verse 67. Let me drink some water. Zechariah, his father, John's father, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. And he said these words, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through his prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us to show mercies to our, mercy to our ancestors and to remember the holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. We're going to keep reading, but let me pause right there for a second. Zachariah's mouth opens up. He's celebrating what the Lord has done. And he anchors himself in this moment in the history of the scripture, in the history of the story of the Lord. Lord, you promised it back to Abraham. You promised it to David. You're doing it today, and that's awesome. You're doing it because you want us to live for you, holy and blameless. And here in this moment, I finally connect some of the dots and I see what you're doing. He's celebrating, he's worshiping, he's thanking God for what he's done. And then he pauses, not pauses, but, but you see a shift in his words. And his words move from past tense to future tense. They move from past to what the Lord has established, what he prophesied, what he, he said he would do, and now he's fulfilled, to now what he's going to do. And he says to his son, and you, my child, will be called prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare a way for him, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins, 
because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace and the child grew and became strong in spirit and he lived in the wilderness and appeared publicly to Israel Zachariah's words move from talking about what God has done and what God has established to now saying but there's even more there's even more for us as a church as we prepare not just this season but in every season for us as a church as we want to remind ourselves and orient ourselves and, and, and ground ourselves in who the Lord is, can I tell you one of the things you should always be doing, we should always be doing, I should always be doing, is saying, Lord, we thank you for what you've done and we are ready for what is to come. That our worship is not just worship of what has been done, but it's prophesying to the future. Like, I don't want to just be prepared in this Christmas season, but I want to be prepared in every Christmas season. I don't want to be prepared in this day, in this moment in time. I want my family, my children, my people, myself to walk blamelessly before the Lord for generation upon generation. Because my son, the words of Zechariah, I know you're the one. You are the one with the spirit of Elijah to go before the Messiah. But all of us have a space. All of us have a calling. All of us have an opportunity to be like, hey, Jesus is different. And that's the words that I lead with. That's the attitude and the heart I lead with. That's the, the lifestyle I set up for. So the takeaway is this, is how can you start worshiping, not just according to what he has done, but worshiping in such a way that prophesies towards the future of what God is gonna do. Lord, I want, uh, we were in our time of prayer before this. And, and, and you know, and, and I felt great. I think it was John. John was praying for, for me and for the word today and other people praying for the service today. And, and I, it's a beautiful time of prayer. It's a wonderful time of prayer. And it just goes to remind me that that attitude, that position, that posture of prayer, of anticipation, praying for a service, because you know God wants to move in this time we're together. That attitude, that mindset, that, that position, that's optional and available for us all the time. Lord, I'm driving down the street, man. When I hit this left turn, Lord, I just pray that whoever I come in contact with, Lord, when I walk into Walgreens, that you just, ah. Lord, I'm going to work, and my boss is kind of crazy and kind of wild, but I know you're going to do something amazing in him. This is the time. This is the season. Why not now? Because, God, you want an actor to act in your play. You want an actor to participate in your calling. And I know, God, that you promise good things. So I'm going to found myself on your promises. And I know that even if it gets dark and gets ugly and the rain and the muck and the gross start coming up, I know that when I'm being emptied, it's because you've got something ready. You've got something you're ready to fill me up with. And I'm just going to praise you through it all. That's the attitude we're supposed to have in this season. Let's, if we could stand to our feet, the worship team's gonna come forward. It's Waymaker, right? Waymaker? Yeah, oh, so, that's right. Um, we're gonna sing the song Waymaker. And uh, can we put the words on the screen? And this is while, while they get set up. Let me just, I want to pray this for us. 
you are Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness, my God, that is who you are. God, you are the God who you invite us to participate. God, you don't need us, but you want us. You don't need us, but you are desperate to have your kids. You, God, you are the ultimate father. You're the, you're the father who, when your kids are on stage, singing the songs, playing the games, doing the thing, you just kick your feet up, and you're so happy and so proud. You're the God who's like, look, there, there, there's, my, there, there's my kids at Redeemed Church doing their thing. There they are at the workplace. There they are at Walgreens. There they are uh, at the schools. There they are uh, um, on the bases. There they are in uniform. There they are as soldiers and civilians. There they are the men and the women of my, my kids of Redeemed Church doing what they got to do. And Lord, because you celebrate us, Lord, because you cheer us on, Lord. We lift our hands and we sing and we declare both what you've done and what you're going to do, that you are a way maker. You are a miracle worker. You are a promise keeper. You are the light in dark places. You are the God of heaven and earth, Lord. Lord, we position ourselves in a way that says, Lord, we want what you want. We want your words, your voice, your peace, your presence. We want to go before you, go with you, and come behind you. We want to be every place you are. We want to be there, Lord, because we know that's the best place for us to be. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.